For this episode, I had the pleasure of talking with Dr. Dina Eisenstark, whose research focuses on the impact of time in nature on families. I'm not sure you could get more relevant to the Happy Outdoor Families podcast than that. I'm excited for you to hear what she has to share about what her research has shown and where she hopes it will lead us. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to Happy Outdoor Families, the podcast that encourages and equips families to spend more time exploring and playing together outside. I'm your host, Emily Eisenbarger, and I hope that as you listen in each week, you will feel inspired and excited about reconnecting your kids and yourselves with the outdoors. Each Monday, I will be bringing you a grown-up episode featuring conversations about all things outdoor play and adventure-related. Every Wednesday, make sure you tune in for an episode just for the kids to listen to with their grown-ups, where I will bring you a simple play invitation to get you started with some fun, open-ended outdoor play. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Dr. Dina Eisenstark is an assistant professor in the Child and Adolescent Development Department at San Jose State University. She is an applied interdisciplinary scholar with a program of research that explores the impact of time spent in nature on children and families and how family-based nature activities can promote strong family relationships. Basically, she is working on backing up everything that I'm promoting with this podcast. (laughs) In her free time, Dina enjoys getting outside with her husband and dog Benji to go hiking and play ball. Dina, I am so glad you could join me today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and thank you so much for putting this podcast together and just encouraging families to get outdoors. So fun fact, Dina and I share an alma mater. We both went to the University of Illinois and we actually even worked on research in the same department, though completely different topics. I was not doing um, anything nature-based. I was looking at sibling relationships back then. We didn't know each other, and I don't think our years there overlapped at all. But now I wish that they did (laughs) because your field of research is so interesting. And obviously, it's something I'm very excited about. So Dina, I wanted to ask what led to your interest in studying how time in nature influences children and families? Yeah, I think that's just a wonderful question. And it's really kind of a a variety of different events that really led to my interest in studying families in nature. And so I think as I reflect back on my childhood, some of my most fond memories were with my family outdoors. As a kid, I remember walking at the Forest Preserve District with my dad and our dog, and we walked there so much that we nicknamed it Dudley Woods because that was the name of our dog. And with my brother, like we played sports all day from like morning, noon to night. And at, on the mm-hmm. weekends, I spent time with my grandparents outdoors at events and festivals. And I think all of that together really encouraged me to major in parks and recreation for my bachelor's degree and a master's degree. And so then I worked for two years at a park district as a leisure services supervisor after I earned my master's Mm -hmm. degree. And during that time, I found that I 
was really most interested in the how, how the activities we offered benefited children and families more so than the programming of the activities themselves. So mm-hmm. I um, went to pursue my PhD in human development and family studies at U of I, and I had the greatest advisor, Dr. Aaron Abada. And so when I arrived, I generally knew I was interested in the outdoors, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to study. But Mm -hmm. luckily, that very first semester, the Forest Preserve District reached out to us to evaluate their new nature playscape. And when I spent my summer at the playscape, I set out to examine how the playscape influenced children's play. But when I was there, like observing and serving um, parents and caretakers, I found that they weren't talking about their children's development, but they were really talking about how the playscape influenced their family and their family relationships. And then Mm. when I dug deeper into the literature, I noticed they only talked about the individual benefits of nature. And then that really encouraged me to study the influence of nature on families. So I think it, I guess it started when I was young. I didn't realize kind of the seeds were planted, Um, but then it kind of all came together. I feel like a little bit serendipitously. That is so fun to hear about how this evolved for you. I have some background working at a parks department as well and taking my own kids to parks programs and can definitely attest to their value for the community and families. I love how you were noticing that effect and the effect of the natural playscape for families and then went on to study it. So what I'm curious about now is what your research has actually shown that you've gotten to do so far. So in your studies, what kinds of nature activities have you been looking at specifically and what impact have you seen on the folks that have participated? Okay, so I think in terms of what our research has shown, and a lot of my research that has been published so far is really from my dissertation. And so in my dissertation, we did a large within subjects experimental design where mothers and daughters walked for 20 minutes at an arboretum compared to a 20 minute walk indoors at a mall. And from that larger study, we've been able to publish three other studies. So I'll just kind of highlight a few of the results where from the walks, we noticed that both moms and daughters displayed greater attention. So less mental fatigue, they could concentrate better after the outdoor walk compared to the indoor walk. We noticed that during each walk, during the nature walk in particular, they, they showed reduced, um, they displayed less negativity. So, uh, indicating that it improved their mood. And then when we looked at the conversational content between the two walks, we noticed in the mall setting, they talked so much about their surroundings, but then in the outdoor setting, it was more neutral. So they could talk more about their daily events, the people, memories. And so we hypothesized then that that highlights that in the nature condition, they could have even more substantial conversations. And then just another exciting thing about this research is after they were completely done with the walk, we had them do an interaction task and we saw that they displayed greater cohesion after the nature walk compared to the mall walk. And that's really significant showing that nature does not only benefit you when you're outdoors walking, but also after could have potentially carryover effects. So some, those are some of the kind of our main research findings so far. That is so interesting. I remember reading about that research about the mothers and daughters taking the walks and thinking, it can be as simple as that, just a 20 minute walk and you can already start to see some benefit from that for that relationship, which is so neat. Definitely. I love hearing about, yeah, and I love hearing about with research 
how you kind of figure out how to ask questions and answer questions, like what you actually measure. That's is so interesting. And you touch on this a little bit, but I am curious, thinking about the nature activity versus an indoor activity, why you think that nature is better? And you mentioned kind of the, the conversation topics that nature was a little bit more neutral and they tended to talk more about their relationship. Is that what I was understanding? Mm-hmm. And do, do you see anything else there, like why you think that nature has a positive benefit for families? Oh, yeah. And I think that's just another wonderful question. So Dr. Abada and I, we actually developed a framework. It's called the Family-Based Nature Activity Framework. And in that framework, we theorized that nature activities would have a stronger positive impact than indoor activities. And we we theorize this for two main reasons. So one, we pull from the environmental psychology research, specifically Kaplan and Kaplan's attention restoration theory. And this theory, I'm sure you know, is like so widely used in environmental psychology. And they highlight that when people spend time outdoors, it can reduce your mental fatigue and improve your attention. And they argue that natural settings are really ideal places to restore attention because they typically contain four unique features in that it allows you to be away from your sources of fatigue, like physically and conceptually. It helps Mm -hmm. you engage in extent. So the environment is rich and coherent enough to kind of transcend the mind. And then as your mind is kind of wandering, when we think about looking at the clouds or like staring at trees or into a fire, like you just kind of engage in what's known as soft fascination. And that's really the process of like allowing your mind just to restore. And then the fourth characteristic is that it's compatible oftentimes with your goals of being there. And so again, their theory shows that because natural environments contain those features, it allows one to restore their attention. And when your attention is restored, you could pick up on social cues more easily. You're less irritable. You have more self-control. And so then Dr. Abada and I said, well, if you those are all characteristics that would allow you to get along better with others. So our first mm-hmm. um, principle was really pulling from attention restoration theory. And then we also pulled from family ritual theory that really shows how and why repeated interactions are so important. And that families mm-hmm. that engage in outdoor family rituals, it's more like they're more likely to receive kind of greater developmental benefits. So we're able to predict that a family who walks together in a park almost every other day would receive greater developmental benefits after a 20-minute walk compared to a family who rarely spends time in nature. So really, it's kind of a combination of the natural environment being restorative, but also the maintenance of that outdoor family ritual. Very cool. And so it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of a balance of um, getting outside on a regular basis, like making it a part of your routine mm-hmm. that you do as a family and having that ritual where you're doing that and making that kind of a part of your family culture. 
and yes. how like rituals and having a family culture in, in itself is beneficial, right? Definitely. Because I feel like as a parent, you know, sometimes you go to the park and it wasn't a good day. Like someone was just off mm-hmm. or not having a good day, but it's kind of the continuation and the maintenance of that outdoor family ritual that over time, if you're spending time outdoors, an environment where people are getting along better, in a better mood, and then what you said, like forming that continuity and that family identity and the sense of belonging, that kind of all works together mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. I love that. One of the things that I think about a lot with creating this podcast and with doing the, I do a a play invitation for kids each week. That's something that I try to make it really simple. something that anyone could do in a green space um, that they have access to. And one of the things that I really want to emphasize through that is that it doesn't have to be big Mm -hmm. or complicated. Just when you can get outside in any space at all that you can still see so many benefits from that time. And when you make it simple, you're so much more likely to do it. When you when you can just go in your backyard, you don't have to pack up for a week of camping to see the benefits of being a family that goes outside together. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I want to back up for just a minute. And you mentioned this idea of soft fascination. Mm-hmm. And that was really interesting to me. I I remember I, I was reading an article and it was a quote of yours where you, you talked about our need for experiences that restore our attention and this idea of soft fascination versus hard fascination. Can you explain what the difference is between those two things? Yes. So it's again, just from Kaplan and Kaplan's theory and fascination is the piece that really restores our attention. So in, especially now, I feel like that we're all online and kind of in remote work environments, our attention is fatigued. Like we're on our computers all day. Maybe your kids are asking you questions. Your phone is ringing. Your dog is like, take me out. And so we're more mentally fatigued in a way to reduce that mental fatigue is by engaging our soft fascination. So if you have like even just 20 minutes to take a walk outside, or even if you research shows if you have plants in your work environment or have green space outside your window if you could just take some time and I it's hard to explain what it is but where you just kind of let your mind wander where you just kind of like stare effortlessly and like sometimes I look at the trees and don't even realize I'm doing it but that Mm. act is what really restores like your directed attention But some events that you think are restorative is actually engaging your hard fascination. So like Mm. TV watching or a sports event, or if you were at an outdoor concert, what happens is the event is so engaging that you can't look away, that your mind, you know, is still concentrating, Mm. is still focusing. And so you don't get those same restorative benefits. So an example of that is always with TV watching where you're like, oh, I want to watch TV with my kids. And it could be good for communication and maybe bonding, but it's probably a less restorative activity because you're so engaged and you can't look away. That is really interesting. And like you said, some of those activities are things where you might think, I need to relax and unwind because I've, you know, I'm I'm worn out, but it's not really actually that good at helping us to unwind and kind of restore after a long day. And that's so interesting. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, when I look at my kids, when they're engaged in like, you know, say we go on a walk outside or sit and watch TV, 
both of those are things that they enjoy. Mm -hmm. I would say about 99% of the time, if given the choice, they'd pick the TV. (laughs) (laughs) And when I watch the way that they are when they watch a show, it's enjoyable for them. But like you said, they are very engaged and you can kind of see it in their eyes. They're really, really focused and in on that one thing. Whereas when we go on a walk, it's a lot more relaxed and just restorative. I mean, mm-hmm. you just you can definitely see it. That's so yeah. interesting. So when you're thinking about this this research that you're conducting and looking at the impact on family relationships and on children when they're spending time outside, what do you hope the impact of your research will be? And so I, I just think this is such a great question. And similar to what we've already been talking about, I hope this research just really encourages families to spend more time together outdoors. I think what's really interesting about our research is that it shows that spending time outside is not only good for your child, but it's equally good for the caretaker. And from the leisure literature, we know that caretakers, especially mothers, tend to place family leisure before their own personal leisure pursuits and focus so much on their child's well-being that they forget about their own needs and well-being. And so a nice thing about spending time outdoors is that it benefits the whole family. And in one study we conducted with rural low-income mothers, they talked about how they were initially motivated to engage in family-based nature activities as a way to get their kids physically active. But then once Mm -hmm. they were outdoors, they noticed, hey, I'm in a better mood and this is um, a stress reliever for me. And and they noticed Mm -hmm. the social benefits with their kids. I think a second impact I hope um, that will come of our research is just kind of the way that practitioners and others think or promote the benefits of spending time outside, you'll begin to notice that much of the messaging focuses on how individuals benefit, but we also need to highlight how spending time outdoors benefits families. And a lot of this thinking comes even from Burdett and Whitaker's article, where they talk about that we have to update our our marketing campaigns, that we can't tell young Mm -hmm. children, go outside and exercise, go outside and get physical activity that you need Mm -hmm. to encourage, go outside and play and have fun. And I think the same is true with families like just go outside and, and bond and have togetherness and the physical activity and those other benefits will be secondary. Um, but hopefully they'll be more motivated if they're like, yeah, I just do want to communicate with my child and connect um, as kind of the focus. So those are just two impacts I hope will come of this research for sure. Yeah. And do you think that these ideas have implications for other groups kind of beyond families? Like, for example, classrooms of students or even in business settings where you've got groups of people that are working together? Oh, yes, definitely. Because those same principles that if you like lots of research shows the benefits of residential green space. And Mm -hmm. if you're able to restore your attention and again, that allows you to get along better with others, that should allow you to get along better with others in classrooms and businesses. So I definitely hope urban planners and architects and um, like park designers, they all also think about um, the benefits of nature and the importance of having green space in our everyday lives for sure. Yes. And I just want to say here, just thank you so much for doing this work and doing this research that helps to 
quantify some of these benefits of time outside. I think that, of course, we can speak from personal experience about our families and ourselves and the benefits that we have personally seen Mm -hmm. from spending time in nature. But I really think that when you have research like what you're doing, that is what can really move policy and that's what can really move societal behavior. It's so much easier to approach a school or a service agency or like families that you're working with when you can say, hey, I think it would be great to incorporate outdoor learning or time in nature. And here is the reason why. Here's this research that shows these benefits of why it's worth it to do that for these families. Yes. And thank you for summarizing that so wonderfully, like definitely, because I feel like even when we first started this program of research afterward, like so many people would would come up to us and be like, you know what? My best experiences with my dad growing up were outdoors. Like anecdotally, people are like, oh yes, of course nature is great. But then now it's kind of been the process of systematically showing um, (laughs) it is great and it does benefit you more than other ways you could be spending your time for sure. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things. I compare it to reading to your kids. You know, it's one of those things that I think we all, or maybe not all, but I think most people would agree those are good things to do. Like, yeah, read books to your kids. Yeah, spend time outside. Those feel good. And kind of instinctively, we know that those are good things to do. Mm -hmm. But to be able to show it and to kind of prove it scientifically can help so much to, to move things and to change things. That's awesome. Yeah. For families that want to reap the benefits of nature activities, some of the things that you've seen in your research with attention restoration and stronger family bonds and better cohesion in those family relationships, what advice do you have for those families? What, What should they do? Mm -hmm. So I think, as we already discussed, um, one piece of advice is try to get outside for at least 20 minutes in every day if you could, but as often as you can. And really, that is the exact length of many of our favorite TV shows. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. as we discussed earlier, too, like as a parent, sometimes you might associate outdoor recreation activities with a lot of prep work, like especially if you're going camping or hiking or spending the whole day outdoors. But it really can be as simple as taking a walk around your neighborhood or the local park every evening after dinner. And Mm -hmm. I just remember when we were conducting our experimental design at the end, the moms would say, I didn't realize it only took 20 minutes, like that I could feel this benefit and I could feel this bond with my daughter, even after only a 20 minute walk. So short, like as long as you get it in um, any, anywhere you can in your daily routine. And then I think a second piece of advice is to form outdoor family rituals, especially when your children are young. So just Mm -hmm. like with any other activity you do with your children, find one that you all enjoy. So in the same way, if your child said, I hate reading, you know, you'd probably try to find a book that they really like and, you know, want to read. And in the same way, if your spouse says, I hate bugs, um, you know, possibly find a more manicured outdoor space that they enjoy, but find outdoor activities that you all enjoy and that you can really maintain over time. So our research, our more recent research and others show that childhood time spent outdoors is associated with adulthood time spent outdoors. And in a recent Mm. study, 
that we conducted, we looked at kind of patterns of participation across childhood. And for those participants who maintained family-based nature activities in adulthood, it was associated with greater family outcomes in terms of like communication, cohesion, social support. And even though we know that it kind of naturally declines a little as your children age, it's important to maintain those rituals because as we talked about, it helps form family identity. It helps your children have fond memories of their childhood outdoors with their, their family. And then also children that are more likely when they become adults to want to pass it on to their own children and, and pass on that environmental ethic. So there's just so many benefits in terms of forming those outdoor family rituals. And hopefully you can just integrate it know, into your daily life in as short as like 20 minutes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I want to make it as easy as possible Mm -hmm. so that it happens. And if it, you know, if it's bigger than that, if it's longer than that, great, but it doesn't have to be. And that's, I love what you're saying about reading. You know, if your, if your child said, I hate reading, I don't like reading these books, you wouldn't say, oh, well, we're never going to read again then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to quit reading because my my family just doesn't like reading. You'd find something that worked um, and try to help them to foster that love for reading in the same way we can do that for for the outdoors. There yeah. might be yeah, things that you don't like doing as a family, but there's certainly, there's something out there. You can find something that you'll enjoy together. For sure. And in our kind of theoretical paper from 2016, we, we argued that we really need to expand the definition of family-based nature activities and that it could be Mm. any type of outdoor recreation. It could be any type of way you spend time outside or travel to outdoor environments. And the idea that when we only look at nature's like wilderness. So many people are like, I don't like bugs. I don't want to be in the wilderness. I don't, you know, they, some people might not mm-hmm. feel safe, but when you say, how do you spend time outside? What do you enjoy? And so if it's a family that likes barbecuing in their backyard or a different family, maybe picnicking at the local park or someone else who likes to go to the beach, like you have to find an environment that's compatible with your needs and what you all enjoy to even reap those benefits so like do yes do what you enjoy and then hopefully if you don't like one activity you could find another one that fits everyone's needs better yeah and that's so important to think about too when you think about accessibility Mm -hmm. not all families are going to have the same access to the same type of outdoor spaces you might have some families that you know the wilderness is in their backyard and they can go out and have have that type of experience, but you also have families that are in urban settings or just in neighborhoods where there isn't a lot of easy access to Mm -hmm. green space. So finding ways to still have time outside in the space that you have and to be able to appreciate and value your space, even though it may look different than what you originally had in your mind as outdoors. Yes, definitely. (laughs) So Dina, where do you see your research going from here? Are you working on anything new or are there questions that you feel like you still want to answer when it comes to nature activities? Yes. So the COVID pandemic, 
pandemic has made it just a little bit difficult because if you yeah. asked me like five years ago what I would be doing now, I'd be like, oh, we would have replicated our experimental design study with um, a more diverse audience because that research mm -hmm. was really just the foundation and it was primarily with, you know, Caucasian families, but I would love to really expand it and replicate it with more diverse families in terms of race and ethnicity and living in an urban environment and even, you know, getting uh, male voices, whether it's sons and fathers or potentially mm -hmm. grandfathers. So we've, we've kind of had a hold off on doing an experimental design. But more recently, we've really been looking and analyzing college students' um, experiences outdoors with their family across kind of five developmental age periods as they reflect back on their lives. And mm. from this research, we found that for those students who spent more time outdoors with their family throughout childhood, they were more likely to spend time outdoors in adulthood and prefer, prefer outdoor leisure settings. And then similar to what I talked about before, we found that those who maintained those FBNA activities, family-based nature activities, they also reported greater family outcomes in mm. adulthood. Um, and then Another thing we've kind of been looking at is that, you know, in that preliminary work, we just generally said that we think outdoor activities have more benefits than potentially indoor activities, and here's how. But now we're finding that even within outdoor activities, participants who did more like nature-based travel, social, and physical activities, they were associated with greater family outcomes in adulthood compared to like sports and entertainment. And so like mm. even within outdoor activities, we're noticing that some might provide more benefits than others. And again, thinking about attention restoration theory and kind of the leisure literature, I think sports and entertainment are types of activities where you're, you know, together and you're doing this activity, but it's more parallel where there's kind of like a yeah. less level of interaction compared to like nature-based or if you're walking outdoors with your child that just has that more joint leisure, that's the greater degree of interaction. So yeah. that's kind of what we've been working on and just continuing to understand how different types of families spend time outside and also the benefits derived from their experiences. Yeah. Well, that's so motivating to me as a parent of young kids, you know, mm -hmm. hearing what those college students had to say about their experience and like, okay, yes, I'm doing something <laughs> good for my kids. <laughs> They're going to remember this and it's going to have value. <laughs> and it's kind of, and we, we specifically chose college students because in adolescence, they, they might like kind of think of it as negative or like have, you know, more <laughs> negative mindset. But by the time you get to co college and the kind of emerging adulthood, that's when you really start to have like more positive recollections of your, you know, childhood experiences. Yeah. Well, that's so neat. And I can't wait to hear more about what you're doing and see the results of all of that. And hopefully we're not too far away from being able to start back up with more of that, that research and doing those experiments where we can be together a little bit more. <laughs> yes, for sure. So before we wrap up, 
My last question that I want to ask just for fun is what is your favorite way to spend time outside? So this is like my favorite question. And as my students will tell you, I just love talking about my dog, Benji, like probably too much. (laughs) Um, But our favorite thing to do is spend time with him outdoors as he is a 13-year-old woodle, which is like a wheat interior poodle. And so we try to take him to different outdoor spaces each day just to help us all unwind. But Uh his favorite thing, as you mentioned earlier, is to play ball. So therefore, uh-huh. his favorite thing in the world is go is to go to what we call dog party. So it's just kind of like a local <laughs> park um, that we take him to where he gets to play with a bunch of his friends. And their owners have really become our family since moving to California four years ago. Um, but they all just get to kind of run around and play. So we love doing that. And then now that we live in California, we just have really enjoyed hiking all the beautiful trails. And um, so those are definitely some of our favorite ways to spend time outdoors. Oh, so fun. I love that. I love dogs so much. We we don't have a dog right now, but I grew up with dogs. And so I'm so envious. And I think they're like a real motivator to get you outdoors. Because even on days like I'm tired, I don't know if I want to go outside. It's like, oh, we have to take Benji. And then as soon as we're outside, we feel better for sure. Yeah. And that would be interesting thing to think about too, is like, what is the impact of having animals Mm -hmm. with you when you spend time outside? Anyway, also interesting. (laughs) But Thank you again. It has been a pleasure sitting down and talking to you. And I hope we can do this again sometime in the future. Oh, yeah. And thank you again, Emily. I just really appreciate the opportunity to come on today and talk about my research and just so grateful for all the work that you do in encouraging um, families to get outside as well. So thank you so much. I am going to include a link to Dr. Eisenstark's bio in the show notes where you can find all of her recent publications if you want to take a deeper dive or keep up on what she and her colleagues are working on. It was a real treat for me to be able to talk with Dina. My background is in social work and psychology, so I'm always really interested to hear about how the things I'm interested in, like time in nature, are being defined and studied by researchers. I hope that you learned some new or motivating things in this episode and wanted to wrap up with a few of my biggest takeaways. First, Even when participating in a social activity, taking a walk, mother-daughter pairs saw better results when they spent their time in a natural setting compared to indoors. The theory being that natural settings have certain features that help us to restore our attention, being separated from our sources of fatigue, providing that soft fascination, and that helps us to feel less irritable, pick up on social cues more easily, and have more self-control all of which would allow us to get along better with the people we are with and feel closer to them, something that I'm sure we all want for our families. Making consistent efforts to spend time outside together also creates a family ritual, and having family rituals has been shown to improve family relationships. When you have traditions and special routines, like taking a walk every evening after dinner— Those rituals help to provide family members with a sense of security, identity, and belonging. They help define your family culture and indicate the things that you value. Put those two elements together, having a ritual and the restorative nature of being outside, and it is an excellent combination for families to thrive. And my last major takeaway, one that resonates with me so much, is that beyond familial benefits— 
Spending time outside is not only good for the child as an individual, it is equally good for the parent or caretaker. Mothers especially tend to prioritize family leisure over their own leisure and focus so much on their child's well-being that they forget about their own needs and well-being. Maybe this sounds familiar to some of you. And so the great thing about being outdoors is that it benefits everyone in the family. Dina mentioned a study where mothers were initially motivated to participate in outdoor activities as a way to get their kids physically active. But once they were outdoors, they noticed that they were in a better mood and felt less stressed. I hope that we don't discount the value of being outside for ourselves as adults. I think it's a lot easier to sell people on getting outside by talking about how great it is for kids, for learning and development and attention, but let's not forget ourselves in the equation and all that we have to gain from spending time in nature as well. Win-win, folks. I'm so glad that you have taken the time today to listen to this podcast. I hope that you're feeling motivated to get outside and that after getting out in your green spaces, you do feel restored and ready to take on whatever you're tackling this week. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Happy Outdoor Families, where I would love to connect with you more. And if you'd like to help even more people find the podcast, it really does help when you leave a rating and review. And I love hearing what you have to say. For all of you with young kids, I'll be back with you on Wednesday for your weekly playtime inspiration. Get outside and have a great week, everyone.